This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Leo Blasey talks about courage as a virtue. How does one develop courage? How is courage practiced out in war, in our culture, in our faith? Well, let's find out. Father Leo is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. We want to welcome in Father Leo Blasey to talk on courage as a virtue. Father Leo is an earthly father and grandfather. After his wife died, he entered the priesthood and was ordained June 13th, 2017 at Sacred Heart Cathedral in Salina. Father Leo is, a retired, is retired from the U.S. Army, where he was a mechanic and then a helicopter pilot and eventually a maintenance test pilot. Currently, Father Leo is pastor of Sacred Heart Church in Plainville and St. Thomas Church in Stockton. Father Leo, welcome this morning. Good morning. Glad you're here. And Can we start with prayer? We can, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord God, we ask you to be with us today to guide us into all truth and to help us to understand what it means to love you and to, to give our lives for you in this world so that the world may know your love. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, very good. Well, let's talk about courage as a virtue and explain that to us, if you could. All right. Um, first off, people are thinking faith, hope, love, and temperance, fortitude, prudence, and justice. I don't remember courage as a, a yeah. virtue, but we got to remember that those four cardinal virtues are just there. There are our main points for us to to set to move towards virtue, but there are any number of virtues that surround those four virtues that that can be considered virtues as well. And if if we look in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it describes virtues as whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. A virtue is a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. And I think that courage fits very nicely into that group of, of things that are virtuous because in order to, to be virtuous, we actually have to have courage. So our language today, we, we, we have tended in the United States to, to take all words and just kind of sheen over them and, and just make them very thin and not really have an understanding of what words mean. So if you look in the dictionary today, I got this from the Macmillan Dictionary. It says, courage is the ability to do something that you know is right or good, even though it is dangerous, frightening, or very difficult. Now that's just not very deep. Right. <laughs> um, if if you read that, you can say, well, you know, I en I enjoy jumping my motorcycle off of ramps, and I enjoy you know entertaining people with that. So that's good, and it's dangerous, and it's frightening, and it's difficult. So that means that to to do that kind of thing is to be courageous, and really, it's not. Um, if you get into the true definition of of courageous. To be courageous, it has to be something that is honorable, and it has to be something that that really leads you towards God. So, so just to use that definition that is in the dictionary, it's 
it's just kind of disingenuous. And I think a lot of the way we use a lot of words today is disingenuous. Mm-hmm. The way we use the word love today is disingenuous. Sure. Yeah. I've even got a, another brief definition that this came from General George Patton. Now, he was a military officer and he was a, one of the main leaders in World War II. And his simple definition of courage is courage is fear holding on for a minute longer. That's rather interesting. I guess I'd not heard that before. If you don't think about the the depth of courage, then you you really miss the point that that, that he was making there, because most of the time when we when you hear courage, it's lack of fear. But courage is recognizing the things that we should be afraid of, and then going out and standing up against them anyway. A quote that I think really encapsulates courage is Maya Angelou. She's a, a civil rights activist from back in the 60s and an actress. But the definition that she gave for courage I, it really s- struck me, so I'm going to read it in its entirety. It says, Courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. We can't be kind. We can't be true. We can't be merciful. We can't be generous or honest if we don't have courage. Mm. Now, that really strikes at the heart of what courage is, and it it shows us that, you know, to have true courage, you've got to have one of the three theological virtues. You've got to either have faith, you've got to have hope, or you've got to have love, because without one of those three things, there's no reason for courage. But to me, really understanding courage is that you have to have all three of those. In order to be truly courageous, you have to have faith in something. You have to believe in something. You have to have hope that you can have success, even if it looks like everything is is crumbling around you. And you have to have love, because if you don't love something, then you're not going to want to give yourself for it. So, So to really have the virtue of courage, you have to have the three theological virtues within you already, whether you recognize it or not. They have to be there. So the, the, the beauty of courage is that we can take the gifts that God gives us in those theological virtues and we can build on them so that we can live our lives in a way that, that leads us and those that are around us to God. And that's what courage is all about. I'm an entomologist. I love the, the history of words and stuff. So I, I went back into the history. Courage is an, an old Latin term that has been brought into to modern French and, and English. But the original word is courage, C-O-R-A-G-E. We relate that to coronary. It's of the heart. Mm-hmm. So the, the original Latin word for courage is anything that's of the heart. And so spirit, temperament, state or frame of mind, our innermost feelings and our temperament all point towards courage. So valor, heroism, all those words that describe what it is to be the best of a person point towards courage. So how do we get, how does courage come to us? Is it something that we're born with or is it something that we grow into? All of the virtues, all of the, the human virtues are developed in us. God gives us grace, and then we take that grace, and and through the way that we live our lives and the thing that we do, 
We develop firm habits, dispositions in our life, and those are what we call virtues. And so nobody's born with any particular virtues. Nobody's born brave. Nobody's born with with a great deal of prudence or, or justice or or fortitude in, in their lives. That They have to develop those things, and normally those are done either through education or through the way that we live our lives in, in, in actuality, the things that we do in our daily lives in order to develop those virtues. So I have people come to me in confession and they say, you know, I've got this habit or I've got that habit, and I want to break that habit. What do I do to break an old bad habit? Well, in order to break an old bad habit, you've got to develop a new good habit. So you, you look at the, the spiritual works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy, and, and you ask God to, to show you which of those virtues is the opposite of the vice that you, you have lived with for, for however long you've lived with it. And then you take those things and you develop them. You act on them. You, you implement them into your life. And in order to do those things, in order to break those bad habits, you have to be courageous. You have to be willing to go out and, and struggle with those things so that you can make a, a real change in your life, which hopefully and eventually will lead to a real change in the world that's around you. It takes courage to change the world. Sure does. Father, in your military career, you likely saw a lot of courage displayed, but would you be able to share uh, maybe some of those stories that come to mind? Father Capon, as, as we're talking about courage, because he is one of the, the great witnesses to courage, and if you look at the military chaplains, we all associate being in the military with being courageous. But the majority of men that, that are in the military that go into combat in situations where their lives are at risk, they all have weapons. They all have something to defend themselves. The chaplains that, that go into combat just have their faith and, and the faith in the men that are around them that are going to protect them. So to be a, a military chaplain in a combat environment takes true courage and the full depth of courage. Um, and Father Capon displayed that. His men loved him for it. Interesting story um, that my dad told. He, he was one of nine boys, and, and all of his brothers were, were in the military. All of his older brothers, a couple of his younger brothers, didn't go in because of the, the time that they were of age to go in or because of health conditions. But some of it, a couple of his older brothers were, were in the military in World War II, and it was a time in the United States where there was still some very anti-Catholic sentiments around, and, and a couple of brothers that were that lived in the in Kingman County with with my dad's family went to war and with it with a couple of my uncles, and they wouldn't associate with them because they were Catholic. And when they came back, they had a different attitude because in combat they saw the Catholic chaplains out there on the front lines fighting and dying with the, with the soldiers that were out there fighting and dying. And they, it changed their minds about what it meant to be a priest and what it meant to be a, a, an example of God in the most dire situations. And the Catholic priests were, were always on the front lines. They, they weren't afraid to go out there. Now, you say, well, weren't the other chaplains out there too? The other chaplains were, were with their units, but usually those chaplains stayed behind. And you, you ask yourself a question, well, why is that? Well, the first reason for a Catholic chaplain to be as bold as they are to be able to go out and do the things that they have done that, that we have examples of is because 
they are married to God. They're married to the church. They don't have to worry about their wives and their children back home. So they're able to go out and give themselves completely. And in the combat environment is the environment that, that really portrays that more than anything. Our, our priests today go out, they get calls at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they go out and they go to the hospital and do that kind of stuff. And it takes a, a real devotion to do that, but there's nothing like going into combat with somebody and, and being able to, to provide that reassurance that God is there with them, as, it, as the yeah. chaplains do. Yeah. Um, the, the closest thing to the chaplains in, in the military are, are the medics, and, and the medics do a yeoman's work. They go out and they, they care for the wounded, and they, they get them back to safety where they can be worked on. And you know, um, the military treatment, medical treatment in the military has advanced so much in the last hundred years. It, it used to be that if you were wounded in combat, chances are you were going to die. Today, if you're wounded in combat, you're not, if you're not killed immediately, there's a better chance that you're going to live than, than there is for you to die. Mm. But it takes courage to go out there and to, to put yourself in that situation where you're likely to get either killed or wounded. And These men and women that go out and, and do this are, are no different from anybody else on the street except that they've accepted the responsibility to go out and defend this country. And the training that they get and, and the, the camaraderie that they build when they go out and, and do their training so that they know what to do when they get in those critical situations forms a bond, forms a brotherhood. And so the majority of, of guys that go out to, to war would tell you that the reason that they fight is for the, the guy that's next to them. Mm. You know, that we all think about our family back home and we think about our way of life. But when it comes to bullets flying all around you and, and bombs blowing up around you. It's the faith and the love of the person next to you that's going to get you through that. Mm. And so that's the moral courage that, that is developed through training and, and working together for a common good and, and then going out and, and exposing yourself to, to be able to do that for for the people that are back home. but. Is courage something that is developed, or do people either have it or not? And I think you alluded to we, that a little earlier. We touched on that a little yeah. bit. Um, courage is definitely something that's developed. Um, life experience changes the way that we view things. And so most kids you would not say are courageous. Some of them are bold. Some of them are, are super active. But to say that they're courageous really doesn't get to the point because to, to be courageous, you have to have a knowledge. You have to make a decision. It's interesting. I looked at the APA definition of moral courage, and it's defined as brave behavior accompanied by anger, indignation, intending to enforce societal or ethical norms without considering one's own social cost. Now, I'm going to go a little bit more on the Catholic side. Moral courage is the courage to take action for moral reasons despite the risk of adverse consequences. Courage is required to take action when one has doubts or fears about the consequences. Moral courage, therefore, involves deliberation or careful thought. So in order for us to, to develop courage and, and to make the decisions that that are courageous, we have to, to think about those things and, and consider the risk and still be able to decide that, that we're going to do them regardless of what the risk is to us. 
in our culture today, we, we really struggle with that. You know, um, all of the media tells you that you can't come out and take a stand against something because you're you're liable to offend somebody else or you're liable to hurt somebody else's feeling. Well, moral courage is looking at that and looking at the cultural stance and and still being courageous enough to go out and, and say that this is the truth and we're going to stand up for it regardless of whether it's about the abortion issue or about the 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 gender issues whatever it is we we as catholics recognize that there is a truth and we have to stand up and defend the truth our culture tells us that truth is whatever you want to make it mm-hmm. however you decide about something it, it's the truth for you well that's not real truth. Truth is a concrete thing. The reason that we can rely on truth is because we know that it's not going to change. So we, we look at those things that, that are out there and that, that we know are true. Now, now, let me give you a real quick example. I'm sitting here, and I'm a 270-pound, 56-year-old man. Is that the truth? If I step on a scale, it's going to say I'm 270 pounds. I was born in July of 1963, so that says that I'm a 56-year-old man. But my genes tell me that I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a human male. Now, if I went to Mars and I stepped on the same scale on Mars, it would tell me that I weighed 90 pounds. And if I use the calendar for Mars, which is just under two years, Earth years, a rotation for, the, for Mars to get around the sun, it would say I'm a 27-year-old man. But if I looked at my genome on Mars, my genome is still going to say I'm a man. It's not going to change. So there are situational truths. that the, My weight is situational based on being on planet Earth with the gravity that it has. My age is based on the fact that the Earth goes around the sun in 365 days. So we, we use that to judge my age. But if I go to a different place with different gravity and, and with a different rotational yeah. value on, on the number of days it takes to go around it, those things can change. But it doesn't matter where I go or what I do, my genome is still going to say that I'm a man. That is a truth. That is a concrete truth that cannot be changed. The greatest concrete truth is that God is love and God has created us for love, and we can't change that. We can't decide that love is something different than what it was for God from before time began. So we have to have the courage and we have to have the strength to stand up and and resist the culture's changing of those definitions and recognize that there are truths that cannot be changed and those and the values that are behind those truths are, are worth standing up for. And that takes true moral courage in today's culture. I love the analogy. I think that's a great analogy we talk about, just that obviously you're always a man that doesn't change no matter the situation. Uh, I think that's a great way to look at that. How can we determine if we have courage? What's What are some things that can help us there? Well, one of the beautiful gifts that we have is as Catholics, as we understand that the Holy Spirit can can give us gifts if we submit ourselves to Him. And the gifts that we get from the Holy Spirit, there are seven of them recognized by the church. There's wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. 
wisdom and, and knowledge help us to develop an understanding of, of the world around us and the things that are true and not true. Fortitude is a gift of the Holy Spirit that, that helps us to stand up for those truths and helps us to recognize them. So we, we can get that gift of the Holy Spirit, that fortitude that, that comes from the Spirit, and that helps us to evaluate how we do in our lives, the things that we're doing in our life, that, that whether they're courageous, whether they're bold, whether they're just brave, or whether they're stupid, because sometimes as human beings we make decisions that are mm-hmm. that are not too bright. And, right. Um, so we have to evaluate, and for all of the virtues, we have to evaluate the things that we do against the truth to judge whether that those are, are virtuous or not. So if we look at the things that we do, the way that we stand up for our families, for our church, for our communities, for the for our country, and and those things are pointing towards the good then they are a virtuous courage. And so that's the, the the way that we can know that we have courage is by evaluating our actions and, and seeing whether they're, they stand up to the, the evidence of truth. Father Leo Blasey is our guest this morning talking about courage as a virtue. And how can, you know, this is uh, something um, we want to take a look at our young people a little bit. How can young people, or anyone for that matter, begin to practice courage? I guess it's really anybody, but uh, how can they begin to practice courage? What are some suggestions there? There, there are a lot of different ways to develop courage. Um, athletics are a good way if, if you have a disposition towards athletics if you're if you're good at sports and those types of things working with other people is, is important as far as developing courage you know there are a lot of things that we can do on our own and skills that we can develop just for ourselves and within ourselves but those things don't point us to courage because as i gave you with the military story before courage is developed by working with other people and and coming to know them and to appreciate them and then being willing to defend them because of our relationship with them. So, so the first thing that you have to do to develop courage is develop relationship. And, you know, God created us to be in relationship. And then he came and, and gave us a church so that we could be in relationship with other people. And he placed us within the communities that we live in and, and that we grow in so that we can develop relationships with those people that are around us. And, and those those relationships that we develop are the things that, that give us the, the values that, in which courage is required. So we have to understand that God has placed us here to, to interact with others and, and to do with others, to point others to the truth. And when, again, when we recognize that there is a truth and we recognize the value of the relationship with, with other people, we have to be courageous in, in showing those people what the truth is even if they disagree with us. Mm. And that's where the, the part of courage comes in, is, is being willing to, to put yourself out there and to tell the truth even when it could cost you something in relationships or in societies. Yeah. And I think at this uh, today, especially the culture we're in today, uh, those are some of the real challenges is, is uh, having the courage to actually stand up uh, just for some of the things that you talked about before, even the gender thing. I think that's probably a great example um, just because we know that there's one man, one woman, and there's two genders. It's it's really that simple, but yet we're fighting in a culture that is, you know, looking at um, 
Well, what started at 66 about, I think, a year ago, probably up to 73 genders now, I think, last check. So uh, we know that, that that's not truth, and I think that's the other thing. I mean, we look at our faith, we look at even natural law, and having the ability to have the courage to, to say, no, this, this is not the truth, um, I think that's where the challenge can be sometimes. The, the interesting thing about gender is if you go back 30 years ago and look at what gender was used for, the word gender described clothing. The word gender was used specifically for whether it was men's clothing or women's clothing. Mm. So how we went from describing clothing that, that fits a, a certain person to what defines you as a person, it just kind of boggles the mind. Yeah. Um, and it shows just how fluid we can be with language and, and how we can twist it and, and, and make use of it to, to say what we want it to say and, and get away from what it really means. Um, and we do that all the time. We, yeah. we change the definition of marriage in the in the culture. We change the definition of, of what a person can be and, and who they are. Um, but the reality is that some of those things just are not changeable. And you know, marriage was a gift to mankind from God to to bring mankind back together. He separated mankind from one person to two person when he when he took Adam and he he took Eve from her side. And then he gave us a gift in order to bring those two people back together and, and bring humanity back into its fullness in their interaction with each other. And that's what marriage is all about. So when we take two other things, whether it's a, a two males or two females, or whether we take a human and a non-human or, or a, a, a living thing and a non-living thing, and we try to join them together and say it's a marriage, then, then we're... We've deviated from the, the actual intent of the word and the actual gift that God has given us in, in that definition of that word. The marriage is intended to bring humanity, to unite humanity back together in such a powerful way that it's possible to bring about another human being from that. We, we act in procreation because of the gift that God has given us in marriage. And, and we have to stand up and defend that. And it takes yeoman's courage to be able to stand up against the, the forces for for cultural marriage today because they're they're out there and they're bullies and, mm -hmm. and they want to everybody to to fall in line with, with what they believe and what they think so in order to stand up against that it, it really takes strength and courage to do that so father can you give us some examples of courageous saints? And we, we hear the stories of the saints, but who are some of those courageous saints that, that we may or may not know of? The first example I'm going to give you actually is Old Testament. Um, so they're not declared saints by the church, but we recognize them as having saintly virtues. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were reading from the book of Maccabees, and the book of Maccabees talks about the seven brothers and their mothers who were were brought forward because they resisted the king's order to to give up their their faith and, and to fall in line with the, the pagan beliefs of the, the Greeks. And they stood up and resisted. All seven brothers went to their deaths, and then the mother afterwards went to their death. That's, I, I don't know how you can get deeper into the definition of courage than, mm. than to look at those people. But then we, in the scriptures, we have um, St. Stephen who 
surrendered himself to, to death um, while viewing the beatific vision, which is the reason that he had the courage that he had, is because he understood who God was and what God was going to do for him. Um, another good example is, is John the Baptist. He went and he faced King Herod and told Herod that he was wrong. Um, he could have backed off from that and, and gained his freedom. And, and Herod really liked him, so he could have been maybe even a, a powerful person in Herod's government. But, but he continued to stand up for the truth until the point where Herod was tricked into to taking his head for, mm-hmm. a, for as a gift for his stepdaughter. And, but John didn't back down. He, he stood up for the truth, and he, he, he recognized that, that God had a calling in his life, and he, he lived that right till the very end. Um, so those are two good New Testament examples. We, we have a number of, of examples of, of saintly men and women throughout the ages that, that stood up for the truth, whether we look at St. Catherine of Siena, a, a woman religious who stood up to the popes and, and went to France and said, you belong in Rome, and Rome is where you should be. And, you know, for, for a woman religious at the time that she lived to, to be that bold and to, to go forward and, and tell the, the, the men of the church that, mm-hmm. that they were in error and that they needed to, to straighten themselves up, that took real courage. So St. Michael the Archangel is one of the great patrons of, of military members. And then there's St. George who battled the dragon in the, in the, the history mm-hmm. of, of his life. They are, are two people that the military members hold up as, as their patrons, and, and they, they use them for just for devotions all the time, um, among a couple of other saints that, that are used for as military patrons. So if you go and study the lives of the saints, there are, are hundreds and hundreds of people that, that just courageously and valiantly stood up for their faith, and even to death. So we... You know, we have all the martyrs of the church that we, that we can look at for that. So We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio, whether you're listening via radio computer, smartphone app, or on Amazon Echo, please know. We'll be right back with more with Father Leo Blazy. on Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Courage as a Virtue. With Father Leo Blazy. Ken Billinger conducts the interview. Father, what would you want our listeners to take away uh, about courage as a virtue? How much time do we have left? We have. We actually have about 13 minutes, so we do have some okay. time. Okay. Um, I'm going to read something that's going to take about three minutes. That's okay. We've um, got the time. When I finish reading it, I'm going to ask you when you think it was written and maybe who you think might have written it. So, okay. This was from a, a Friday address. It's, it says, Goodness, patriotism, honesty, and loyalty are losing their battles not by conflict but by default. Those who are called to be defenders of what is right are not wounded in the battle. They flee. Courage has always been in the past the attribute of those who have faith. Now the moral leaders become defenders not only of the feeble. They are afraid to speak of the vital truth to their troops, fearful that they might incite a revolt or be unloved. The result is every man does what is right in his own eyes. Right out of Scripture. 
Actually, the troops are yearning for strong leaders who will challenge them and sound trumpets with clear notes. But seeing the shepherds uncertain and afraid of wolves, the sheep scatter. Why are leaders in a nation, in education, in religion, afraid to speak out with courage? Partly because they are not themselves practicing what they ask others to do. Partly because they are afraid of being unloved or because running counter to the moods of the time. And partly because they do not rely on divine strength to aid them in their defense of what is right and just. When Peter and John were arrested and brought before judges for preaching Christianity, the judges were struck by their, first by their boldness and secondly by the fact that they were unlearned. Their strong convictions came not from academic degrees, but from their being filled with the Spirit of God. When David's commander Joab saw that the battle against him was in the front and in the rear, he and his brother Abishai pledged mutual support, shored up their moral courage, and left the final decision in the hands of God. They said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you shall help me. And Job said, But if the Amorites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us fight bravely for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. In the area of religion, the secret of courage is, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Responsibilities are no longer burdensome if one realizes that the divine works within us. Want of courage is want of faith. If a bishop, for example, is afraid to tell a minister in the sanctuary not to appear in patched overhauls and a leather jacket, it is because he has less awesome concern for the glory of God than he has dread for the cutting of rejo the rejoined of an old hippie. All the fears of life are expelled by great love, and love is the only thing that can successfully cope with them. On the contrary, fear of evil is essentially an unbelieving thing. All weakening anxieties have their roots in practical unbelief. The tragedy and the loss of courage and boldness on the part of leaders is the latent courage in the young and their readiness to follow those who have a high ideal. The so-called generation gap does not exist. It is a spiritual gap. The distance between the leaders who are not on fire with ideals and the followers who are unlighted torches waiting for the flame. The young are quick to, to pick out phonies as they are anxious to be inspired by those who are unafraid of being unpopular once truth is at stake. Our democratic process sometimes makes for weakness rather than strength. A candidate for office keeps his finger on the pulse of the electorate he finds out by survey what they want, and then he promises to give it to them, generally at the expense of the public treasury. His campaign is directed to the desires of the people, but never to their needs. The result is the electorate is rarely offered a chance to vote for a real leader. It is worth recalling that the majority vote about the Israelites going into the Promised Land was 10 to 2. Only Caleb and Joshua favored it and the masses would have killed the two of them if Moses had not interceded. In religion and politics alike, leadership return, will return when a man will not be afraid to make enemies because he loves God above all things. I'm, I've been thinking through the whole thing, and I don't think it was, um, doesn't sound like it's like from a pope or anything, so. Um, no, nope, not a pope. Is it, is it a political person? No. Really? Mm, I'm, I'm stumped, I'm not sure. Well, 
what year do you think it might have been given? Um, I'm, let's say, well, oh. 1962. I don't know. I'm just throwing. Well, it. you were close. Just a, a decade off. It was 73. And that might give you a clue to who who the one that that gave the talk was. It was at the end of his radio career. Oh, Paul Harvey. No. No, it wouldn't have been Paul Harvey. That's too early. That's too early. Paul Harvey was still on the air that in 73. I'm trying to think who else it would have been. Fulton Sheen. Full, oh, gosh. Okay. So it was Bishop Sheen. And, yeah. and you know, we tend to think that the, the issues that we have in politics and the, the issues that we have in faith are are new and, you know, that they haven't been around for a long time. But but this could have just as easily been given today as it was back Absolutely. in 73. And yeah. um, I think all the points that he makes are, are just as, as poignant today as they were back then. So um, the church – and our nation need men of courage and women of courage to stand up and tell the truth, regardless of the popularity. And, yeah. you know, the, the issue that we have in politics today is that nobody can tell the truth because then they can't get elected. Right. <laughs> well, is there any value in being elected if you can't stand up for the truth? That would be my question to the, the people that, that are supposed to be up there representing us. So. Excellent point. You want, Father, we still have just a few minutes left. So anyway. let's go back to your last question there. I didn't really answer okay. that question. I sure. Don't think, so. What do you want uh, listeners to take away about courage as a virtue? I want our listeners to understand that, that courage is a, a truly a Christian virtue, and it's something that we can can use in our daily lives to, to stand up for the truth and to recognize the truth. Of course, in order to really be able to stand up for the truth, we have to know what the truth is. So so I encourage all Catholics to, to learn their faith and to understand why the church takes a stand on particular issues and, and what that truth is and, and why it is out there. And once you know the truth, then it's easy to stand up for and defend the truth, and it's easy to be courageous. But don't be afraid. That's the main point I would have anybody take away. Absolutely. Uh, well, we appreciate you sharing this, some great stuff with us today, Father. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Let us know what you thought of this show by going to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. And folks, eternity is not seen, but neither are these airways. But if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, KMDG 105.7 Hayes, KJDM 101.7 Lindsberg Salina, KRTT 88.1 Great Band, and KVDM 88.1 Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.